Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to having conversations that matter to help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world we live in. You'll most likely never find me on a volleyball court because I was once kicked out of a grade nine gym class for being so bad at it, the teacher thought I was fully messing with him. You will, however, find me writing books, coaching people on how to have a successful online business through effective content marketing and copywriting, and helping people heal from adversity to live lives that truly feel good and make an impact in our society. Stick around, because I ask the questions we're all wanting to know the answers to. Welcome, everybody. We have Danielle Mercurio on the show today. Danielle, nice to have you on. How are you doing? Hey, girl. I, I'm doing great. I really am. I'm happy to be here. Me too. So today we're going to be really diving into astrology. And Danielle is actually the person who introduced me to astrology. And um, she was kind of like my springboard into learning more and being really, really fascinated by the cosmos. So Danielle, before we get into that, the name of the podcast is Connected with Emily Obey. So can you tell us the last time you felt truly connected to another human being or thing that really moved you? Ooh, like the last time, most recent? The most recent or the juiciest, however you want to go. (laughs) Juicy might be a little X-rated, so and probably way too long of a time. Like I'm like, yeah, like that one time three years ago when I connected with a man. It's been a while. Uh, so, but honestly, okay. So I'll, I'll share an experience I just recently had, and and it honestly taps into what I feel when I hear the word connected. And for me, connected is kind of that soul, uh, mind, body alignment, that embodiment of like I feel like me i feel in my element i feel in my my essence and um just literally 2 days ago so i moved to a new place and i have a roof and I've been doing some reading on a cult and things of that nature and how to get more connected with just the universal energies in a more uh, celestial way. And so I was like, I'm going to go practice this on my roof naturally. So I, you know, journey up to the roof and um, I just prop myself down on a little pillow and um, I, I just, I started to move into a meditative state and I started to bring in this, you know, practice of gratitude of why I'm so grateful for, for this roof deck, for this space that I live in, for the way that I'm able to support my life. And I kind of just kept moving um, with the energy of gratitude, kind of creating my own vortex. And then I was like, uh, once I was in that space, I was like, okay, I summon the energy of the sun. And all of a sudden there was this like bright light that like hit my face. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I summon the energies of the moon and this huge gust of wind just like came across me. And it just felt like so good. And it's like, I don't know. I think for me connected is, and this is really relevant for me because I think I kind of hit a hiatus where I was very off the the spiritual track and a little bit afraid of it, if that makes sense, like bypassing and whatnot. So for me, that moment the other day was almost like she's back, like Danielle's back. She's connected. She's with us. Let's start moving and grooving. And it was really awesome. I love that. I love that for you. Um, the first thing that comes to mind with connection is a connection with the universe in some way or another. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I can totally relate to 
feeling like she's back. Um, <laughs> because I, I too, like, you know, have had a bit of a falling out, let's say with spirituality mm -hmm. and figuring out how to bring back a spiritual life um, into my world without having any kind of bypassing or narcissism attached mm -hmm. to it. Right. So I love that you shared that with us. Um, I was smiling the whole time. So yeah. that's beautiful. Okay. So the goal of the podcast is to have conversations that matter and that move people. And astrology is something that in my coaching practice and just in my life, in terms of my business and friends, everybody always has questions about it. And I'm always like, e I'm not an expert. And I always say, you should check out my friend Danielle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because the way that you explain astrology is so beautiful, but because you make it sound so, um, I guess, non-intimidating, if if it's mm -hmm. a proper way to put it. Like, you know, you make astrology really relatable and you make it understandable. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast, kind of like the astrology expert, because I think you can teach us things. And I think it's important that we learn from a voice such as yours that makes it not scary, essentially. Because even when there's unfavorable aspects of my chart or just of transits or even all of the retrogrades, you make it seem digestible in some way or another, you know, like you make it feel mm -hmm. like, okay, I can handle this and I'm going to use this, um, to my advantage. So yes, that's yes. why I want to have you in this role right now. And I want you to teach us some things. So, um, can you give us just a little bit of a brief synopsis on why astrology means so much to you and why you got to be so um, beautifully entangled with it. <laughs> mm, I love that question. And, and thank you for that beautiful lead up to it uh, all. So for me, astrology found me at a very early age. I grew up in a Catholic household. There wasn't much uh, outside of that when it came to spirituality or anything of that source, but uh, literally source. And uh, I, I always kind of felt like, hmm, I feel like there's something else from a very young age. We're talking age four, five. I was just like, hmm, what else is out there? And I was always just kind of curious, but there literally were no leads because the only place I had or wherever my parents were bringing me and oftentimes on Sunday that would be church. So, um, and I wasn't getting the answers I wanted there. And then um, literally around age five, I was in the grocery store with my mom and they used to have these little like scrolls uh, of astrology in the uh, like checkout aisles, like where the gum and the candy is. And I saw it and I saw that it was attached to a birthday. Mine is August 9th. And I saw August 9th, you know, I saw August and I saw Leo and there was just something like, you need this, right? Like you need this. At, at literally age five, I was like, I need this, this thing, whatever it is. So I showed my mom. She like immediately was like, no, like that's not for you. Like put it back. So I was just like, no, I need this. So when she wasn't looking, I put it in my pocket and I literally stole the scroll. So I went home and, and, you know, uh, like went to my room, shut the door and, and untangled this scroll. And, uh, you know, it's not like my reading was super efficient at the time, but um, I was able to, to read well enough. And so from what I could make of it, reading Leo, reading the buzzwords that were on it, 
it really felt like a sense of, of understanding. It felt like a sense of purpose. It felt like a sense of calling. It was like, I feel like these words are telling me what I'm supposed to do with my life. And that excites me. And so I held on to this Leo energy. And as I got older, I started to notice that there were sections in the library or in the bookstore that had to do with astrology. And I just kept eating up Leo, because it was like a psychology to me. It was like, this is who you are. And I just, I loved it. It was so refreshing. And then I started reading other signs to get to know my friends according to their birthdays. And, and I just continued to just embody the, the different uh, teachings and archetypes of astrology. So I kind of was self-taught, and but it was always my secret passion. And then in college, I met some friends that were into it, which I thought was really cool. And, you know, I would share what I, what I knew with my friends or at parties, but that was kind of it. And then, um, it, but it was always just kind of like my secret thing, like my secret thing at the bookstore. I would camp out for an afternoon at the library and just like dig in. And then um, it kind of found its way into being part of my purpose when I decided to become a life coach. And when I was getting my coaching business started, I wasn't really making uh, any strides. And I just kept hearing, what about astrology? And uh, so I, I decided, why don't I just put a video up and see what happens? And I found that people really responded to it. So for me, what I love about astrology is it's a gateway of awareness and it's an opportunity to get to know yourself better. And for me, I just, I, I just, I love that. It's, it's literally my psychology. It's the best way to put it. Mm, I love that. And I love how um, psychology can sometimes mirror astrology mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That's, I mean, I love how you were already a rebel at five years old. <laughs> <laughs> my destiny. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so given that context, how did you start to be able to read birth charts? And when did you start to go deeper into the chart as a whole, uh, other than just the sun sign, which yours is Leo? Mm -hmm. And from that space, can you kind of give us a brief overview of what is, I guess, included in a birth chart? Like what are the basic elements to it? Yes. And um, just to, to start off by saying what I'm incorporating in the lineage that I follow is Western astrology. There are different types of astrology. There's Vedic, there's sidereal. And uh, for me, Western astrology is what I connect to the most. I live in a Western society. It just makes sense. So that's what I intuitively follow. And that's what most of our culture does. So um, when I explain that, it's going to be under that connotation. And so Astrology, the best way for me to describe it is, you know, we have these 12 signs and these signs all represent different archetypes or personas of the human psyche. So every sign kind of represents a certain flavor of a personality. And then within that, we have our solar system and our solar system, as we know, sun, moon, and, and the planets, you know, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, Mars, Mercury, Venus, uh, Pluto, um, Jupiter, right? So we have these, these gorgeous planets up in the sky. So essentially they work together. So we have the astrological wheel, which is the 12 signs, and they are in the form of a circle. So 360 degrees, a never ending circle 
starting with the sign of Aries and moving all the way around till we get to Pisces. So that's the full astrological wheel. And you want to imagine almost just fixated and kind of tucked right behind the solar system. So we have this astrological wheel tucked behind the solar system. And then the solar system is constantly rotating around this zodiac wheel. And so every you know day or every few days or every month, depending on the planet, it will move to the next sign. Currently, as you and I speak, we are in October. We're in late October. So we're in Scorpio sun season. The sun is in Scorpio right now. In about 20 days, it'll move into Sagittarius. So throughout the span of a year, the sun will move through all 12 signs. It's the one we use the most, but I'll get more to that later. So essentially... We have the astrological wheel, the zodiac wheel, the 12 signs. We have the solar system on top of it. They all move at different paces. To get your birth chart, what we do is we take a screenshot of the day you were born at the time that you took your first breath. And we take a screenshot of the solar system and we say, okay, where was the solar system positioned on top of the zodiac wheel? And so a birth chart, if you ever look at it, is a circle, and it looks like a circle with all 12 signs, and then we see where all of the planets and the sun and the moon land. When I was born, the sun was in Leo. The moon was also in Leo. Uh, Mercury was in the section of Virgo. Mars was in the section of Cancer. Jupiter was in the section of Sagittarius. So that's how we get your birth chart, essentially. We're just taking a screenshot and saying, hey, what was going on in the solar system and how was it floating on top of this astrological wheel? We do the same thing for horoscopes. If you wanted to know, what's tomorrow going to be like, Danielle? All right, well, well, let's take a look at where the planets are going to be on top of the zodiac wheel, and we'll get a little bit of information of how the energy and the chemistry of the day may go. And, and so when it comes to your personal birth chart, though, we take that screenshot, and how I like to look at it as it's a piece of the soul contract that we make when we come to Earth. I believe that our soul kind of chose this day, this time, this energy for a reason, because our soul carries a lot, uh, a lot of uh, karma, a lot of purpose, a lot of fulfillment, a lot of what it wants to experience as a human. Many times I find in our society, especially as things are getting more spiritualized, we keep wanting to know how to be more spiritual, but I actually think the goal, we already are spiritual, the goal is to humanize it. And so I think our chart can really show us how to humanize our experience in the way that our soul intended. And we can find clues by the way that the sun and different planets are positioned on our chart to see what your soul had in mind for your destiny to see where you currently are in relation to that and also give some lead way to where you're going. And we can use your chart as a really beautiful tool to start to assess all of those things. Mm, that was really well explained. Thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, so a follow-up question to that would be, so like you're explaining, um, you know, you take a screenshot of where everything is in the solar system when you take your first breath and that equals your birth chart. So let's say, you know, um, Jupiter was in the sign of Sagittarius. Um, I guess, could you basically break it down for us to understand that planets each have their own kind of qualities and then a sign also belongs to a planet if that makes 
Mm -hmm. if, if you can take it from there. Sure. So, okay. I'm glad you asked this. So yes, the 12 signs all have different archetypes, which you should get to know. I, I believe that everyone needs to go beyond their sun sign. In our culture, in our society, most people will say, what's your sign? And we'll answer with our sun sign. We won't say like my sun sign is. We'll say like, for me, I'd say I'm Leo. Emily, you would say I'm Gemini. But that's just the sun where the sun was when you were born. And the sun takes on a masculine quality of our being. And so I think sometimes it's you know kind of an issue in our society that we're going around just talking about our masculine side when we could actually be starting to explore other parts of our chart. So essentially, I think the, the first thing to recognize is that you're made up of more than one sign. So when we look at your birth chart, you're going to see that you're not going to be just like in your case, Emily, Gemini. There's going to be other signs that uh, the other planets touched when you were born. So learning all 12 signs and learning the qualities of those signs are going to really help you start to understand your chart. In addition, we can look at the planets. And the, so the sun and the moon are not considered planets. You'll notice when I talk, I say sun, moon, and planets. It's because the sun and the moon, they're called luminaries. Um, they work with light. Um, the moon doesn't actually light up. The reason why we see the moon in the sky is because of the sun's reflection, but it's still working with light. And um, the moon, or the sun rather, still works with darkness based on the moon. So uh, the sun and the moon are luminaries. The sun deals with our masculine. The moon deals with our feminine. And I believe that that's why moon circles and moon phases and moon culture is becoming so, uh, so much more popular because I do believe we're tapping more into the feminine and releasing some of the patriarchy. Do I think we need to eliminate the masculine? No way, but we need to harmonize it with the feminine. And I think the feminine has to rise to create that harmonization. So sun, masculine, moon, feminine. We look to see where they are in our charts. For example, Emily, when you were born, it was a Gemini sun. The moon was in Capricorn. So we start to say, okay, your son, your masculine side of you is more Gemini. It's good to learn a little bit about what Gemini would do in that way. And then same with your moon sign. Okay, if your moon, your feminine is in Capricorn, I'm going to do my research on Capricorn and see how the two will relate. And then we move into the planets and we look at what all the planets represent. Do you want me to go into like what their qualities are? Like yeah, Mercury. Maybe we can do, yeah, maybe we can do a bit of a synopsis around okay. that. Um, but before we do that, just to break it down even more. So basically... Mm -hmm you know, my sun sign is Gemini. So I would express, is it safe to assume, I guess, that I would express my masculine energy like a Gemini would. So yes. with Gemini qualities, and then I would express my feminine side and my feminine um, ways of being like a Capricorn would. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yes. can you give me an example of both of those things? So Sure. So, um, so again, our, our sun is our masculine. To break down masculine in an astrological sense, it's, it's our core. It's the way um, we show up in the world. It's what lights us up, right? It's, it's what we get really excited. It's what we want to create. It's something that we're excited to be doing. Oh, I love that. That's a yeah. good way to explain it. Yeah. Right, right? Because it's, it's, you know, again, that's why I'm saying like we need masculine, but we need it in a way that's like positive, which is like that generating energy. Because that's what the sun does, right? The sun is life force. Yeah. Um, and, and that's masculine. So um, from a Gemini perspective, I would say someone that's a Gemini son is someone um, when it comes to the masculine is very curious, very much the one that's going to do their due diligence, wants to see all aspects of a situation. I compare Gemini often to the diamond, right? There's a lot of components. There's a lot of aspects. So a Gemini really taking on 
the masculine part of that sign is someone that's like, okay, I'm going to be really curious. I'm going to really do some research. I'm going to have conversations, right? It's so interesting. You have this podcast around that because Geminis are very social. The way that um, they find things or find out about things are very unconventional. They don't do the traditional kind of uh, uh, way of studying things or finding research or, or supporting evidence, if you will. So I'd say um, the best thing that a Gemini can do when she or he is really, you know, in, embodying their son is to be the curious one, to do things that are a little bit unconventional, to really find out research, things of that nature, and then um, find a unconventional or unique way to move it forward. And that's really highlighting the masculine of that sign. I love it. It's so funny because I was in therapy earlier and I was literally talking about how I have a psychological need for being curious and for uh-huh. people being curious toward me. Uh-huh. And my therapist was just reflecting, being like, yes, it's you need, like, it's not even a desire. It's a visceral mm-hmm. need for you. Yeah. And it's so true. So I love, I'm just bringing that up because you yes. brought up the, well, the totally with psychology and astrology, right? Yeah. So I'm so glad you did and kind of validated that. Yeah. Cause it's in your core and masculine to me is that core feeling of like, Oh yes. You know? Uh, and then moon. So our moon is our feminine, but to go deeper into what that means, it's our subconscious. It's kind of who we are behind closed doors. We don't let everybody see our moon, right? The moon is, uh, more associated with night. So, um, who are we to certain people? Who are we from our emotions, things of, of that um, perspective? And so when we look at Capricorn, Capricorn uh, is, is a sign that really wants, when it comes to their feminine, really wants to find a way. They have really big hearts. They want the best for everyone, but they want it to be perfect. So um, for for a Capricorn to really embody the feminine side is in a beautiful way and not a, because every every sign kind of has a light side and a shadow side, but from the, the light, it's really about opening up your heart, wanting the best for everybody, really giving and actually finding ways to bring people together. That's really important for a Capricorn. Um, really doing things in a big way that have impact, that matter. Um, really understanding how to take care of people when they're in their darkest moment. Um, Capricorn can sometimes get a bad rap for being over-controlling, for being a perfectionist perfectionist, but it comes from love and it comes from having such a big heart. The thing is, is sometimes that, that obsession can start to overtake and that's where it goes into the shadow. But from the light space, I really believe it's about operating from, from the heart and really projecting, um, the, the good intentions. That's really how they, they stream forward. I love that. And I love how you're kind of highlighting how each sign has a way to express itself from a feminine perspective and from a masculine perspective, mm-hmm. and it will depend where it falls in your chart within mm-hmm. like the sun or the moon position. Exactly. Love that. Okay. Beautiful. Um, we did receive a lot of questions around rising signs before mm-hmm. we get the planet okay. and yeah. houses and things like that. People want to know what it all means. Um, <laughs> but the rising um, sign is also really significant for us. Mm-hmm. You kind of give us um, a little bit of a taste on how you get to really figure out what your rising sign is, what does it mean, and then um, what kind of qualities does it express? Yes. So the rising sign is based off of where the sun was along the horizon when you were born. Now, here's the thing. The rising sign will change every two, roughly two to three hours. That's why it's really important that you know your time of 
birth for, to calculate your rising sign because it changes so frequently. If you just say I was born, you know, yesterday, I'd be like, well, what time? I don't know. It was yesterday. I don't remember. It's like, well, what? Uh, but, but essentially like we would need to, to have the time to be able to pinpoint where it was along the horizon. Other things we could figure out without the exact time, but that's just something um, that comes up a lot because people always want to know, well, like, why do I need to know my time of birth? Well, that's why. So I'd say the most pressing reason why you need your date of birth, why you need to call or text your mom um, is for the rising sign because it moves so quickly. Because right. within a span of 24 hours, it will hit all 12 zodiac signs. You said every three hours it moves? Roughly every two to three. I mean, essentially what will typically happen in the span of a day, um, the, it will move through all 12 signs. Okay. So if we don't know your time, it's, you know, you could say the morning and we could kind of like be like, all right, well, then it's either this one or this one, but it's better to have it really clear. So, um, so that's the right. So that's how you calculate the rising sign. It's also called the ascending sign. Some people call that, um, call it the ascending sign. It also makes up our first house. So in astrology, in addition to the sun, moon, and the planets, we also have what are called the 12 houses. And the 12 houses have to deal with, or have to do with themes that we deal with as a human. For example, health, relationships, money, home, career, right? All things that we have, travel, right? Like all things that we deal with as a human. And so the rising sign kicks off the first house. So house one. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in your example, Emily, like you're a Scorpio rising. So when you were born, the, the rising uh, ascending sign was Scorpio. So that becomes your first house. And our first house represents the impression that we make to the world and the way that, that we want to um, embody that. So a lot of times what will happen with rising sign, some people will be like, you know, um, uh, people like, let's say like you're a Taurus sun and you're like, you know, everyone I meet always says that I'm so much more expressive or, or so much more talkative or, or so much more energetic than, than a Taurus. Like, you know, I guess I'm just not a Taurus. Well, maybe your rising sign is something really fiery. Maybe you're an Aries rising and that's why you come off as more dynamic. Um, so our rising sign is really what we showcase as far as like a first impression um, goes. And it's also when we realize that we can start to kind of rein it in a little bit and we get to decide, okay, if this is what my rising sign is, what kind of impression do I want to give off based on that? And then you kind of have a little bit more of the power per se. Astrology is really just about awareness. Um, but, but that's what our rising sign is. It's what's, um, what else will happen with rising signs? So again, you need to know the time to calculate it. The second thing that comes up a lot is you'll see if you're reading horoscopes, sometimes it will say this can pertain to your rising sign. Why they're saying that is because astrology, uh, astrology horoscopes are actually written based off the houses. So if you're checking your horoscope, it's, it's, it's based off the houses. It's actually not based off your sun sign. So when they say check the rising sign, they really mean it. They're like, check your rising sign. So like Emily, when you're reading horoscopes, you, there's more, um, uh, there's, if you want to know what's trending right now for you, you want to read what's happening to Scorpio because those horoscopes are written off of Scorpio trends um, as opposed to Gemini. Now, if you read Gemini, will there be some truth? Of course. But if you want like the real deal, if you want to be like, let me know what's really up, you're going to check your rising. Okay. So that's so interesting. So there's 12 houses, correct? Mm -hmm. To just make sure that we're all. Yes. Okay. 12 signs, 12 houses. Yeah. 12, 12, 12. Okay. Um, so, and that's really interesting because Although I'm a very open person, like if you read my social media, I write novels about my life constantly. Hmm. However, people who don't know anything about me 
will often say, you're very mysterious. I can't read mm-hmm. you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yet, like my sun energy is Gemini. Yeah. Right. My moon energy is Capricorn, but I've got some like mysterious <laughs> vibes to mm-hmm. me because my Scorpio is in rising and that's the impression that I give. So really when people have no context on who I am, I've often been told throughout my life that I'm mysterious or like, you know, and it's almost been like an intrigue, you mm-hmm. know, type of like, what do you have under there? I'm, I'm almost reserved in ways p- people who know me um, can't relate to. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. And so, and that's very much how I would describe a Scorpio rising. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So um, how about we go through the houses first? So house one is kind of the impression that we make um, to the world, correct? Like, yes. Okay. And, 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 um, I don't know if this will throw people off or not take it or leave it if you're listening. So the 12 houses also correspond with the 12 signs. So technically house one, uh, relates to the energy of Aries because Aries is the first sign. Okay. House number two relates to the energy of Taurus oh. and so on and so forth. So when we get to the end, the 12th house actually relates to the energy of Pisces. Oh, so interesting. That actually makes total sense. So it gives you a little bit more intel. So if you're like, huh, like, okay, the third house, what does that mean again? Oh, that's Gemini. Oh, I bet that has, you know, and then we can, when I go through them, just kind of something to keep in mind. But of course, in your chart, I mean, unless you're an Aries, if you're an Aries rising, then it works out really nicely because, you know, you're going to be Aries rising. Then if your second house Mm -hmm. is Taurus, right? Like it, it's a, it's a perfect match, but, um, but that's not usually how it goes. No, not, I mean, you have, I guess you have a one in 12 shot of that happening. So, um, you know, it, it, okay. it, yeah. So well, that's just something through the houses for us and kind of yes. bring in mine and, and, and kind of give me examples and I'll kind of confirm of like, yeah. or, or, or mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, your first house, you know, Scorpio, as we mentioned, first impression, second house is around, uh, money worth self assessment. So when we think about worth, right, it can be financial. It can also be, um, about our own selves that basically what we put worth to. Um, and in your case, it's Sagittarius. So, um, you know, Sagittarius is the wanderlust. It is the free spirit is the happy go lucky. Everything winds up working out in the end. So, um, they tend to get themselves into jams when it comes to money or worth or things of that nature, but then somehow it all unravels and it works out beautifully. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say about that. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I look back to my business and I'm like, it's always worked. <laughs> yeah. It's always come through. And like for yeah. you, you also have um, J- Jupiter's in Sagittarius. I have that as well. And um, they're like kind of BFFs. So and that's, um, what, that's like the luck kind of. Concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so then um, the third house is um, communication, correspondence, uh, you know, how we speak out into the world. Um, it might be faster if I just go through what the 12 houses are. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Because um, I feel like if I relate them all to you, then we might get short on time. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. So house number three, as much as I adore you, and, and I want everybody to know everything about your church. Um, <laughs> So house number three is uh, communication, the way we vocalize things, correspondence, things of that nature. House number four is our house of home, home, family, where we get grounded, our environment, things of that nature. House number five is um, uh, creativity, passion, what lights us up, what what excites us, um, our passion. 
House number six is uh, health, well-being, vitality. How are we taking care of ourselves? How are we nourishing ourselves, our, our, our nervous system, right? Like our, our well-being. Um, yeah, that's house six. Uh, seven is relationships. And of course, relationships, we don't always automatically want to assume romance, okay? So relationships can be a relationship to yourself, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your parents, to your siblings, and to your intimate partners. Um, so how you deal with relationships and you may find that you might think, well, I don't, I don't like the same way with my boyfriend as I do with my mom. Well, maybe you do actually. Um, we, we start to see some ties between it all. Uh, eighth house. Eighth house is around um, life and death, if that makes sense. So it, it, it has the tones of transformation, rebirth, how we deal with change, how we deal with new chapters, beginning, starting over, endings, right? So it's all about um, beginning and ending and how we deal with that as humans. Uh, ninth house is about adventure, travel, philosophy, being outside the box, you know, seeing more of the world than what we currently have in our reality. House number 10 is our midheaven. And our midheaven has to deal with our career, our public persona, um, the way we are viewed in the world in a very large scale way. So almost like our Facebook profile, um, like if someone were to log on or go on to our Instagram, like that would kind of be like 10th house energy. Um, uh, 11th is social friendships. Um, community, networking, groups, things like that, being with other people, interpersonal relationships. And then the 12th house is our higher self and uh, spirituality, religion, things of that nature. So those are the 12 houses. And why it's important not only to see what signs are in each house, because like we did with the Sagittarius and the money, you know, the second house, we were able to, you were able to get an assessment on that, which is great. What also works really well is when there's moon cycles, you can see what house that moon is in and be like, oh, that's going to deal with that. So for example, Emily, your yesterday, you know, so the time that we're speaking now, yesterday there was a full moon in Taurus. Well, you could look at your houses and you could say, oh, my seventh house of relationships is in Taurus. This full moon is going to affect that. Does that make sense? Is that right too? Is, is my seventh house in Taurus? Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't just like make that up. <laughs> I was like, cool. yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. So to break it down for people, just to understand super simply, the house has a quality itself, right? And whatever mm -hmm. kind of sign is in that house um, is how you express the house's quality. It's yes. Like, yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And what you shared with us with the tip of the moon is super insightful. Yes. So I guess you could do that for every full moon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every new moon, every full moon. You could do it with every sun season too. So for example, your Scorpio rising, well, we're in Scorpio sun season right now. So now this, the theme of this month for you can be, a, how do I want to make an impression? So interesting. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, the next new moon, we're going to have a new moon in Scorpio. So that new moon in Scorpio will be about that too. Um, and so, yeah, so then you can, it's a really easy way to get your own personal theme for the moon. I love it. And I feel like you're teaching us right now how to kind of be in rhythm mm -hmm. based on our own chart with 
the cycle of the moon and the seasons and my exactly birthday. yeah and you can you can realize that every month is important i i hear, sometimes i you know witness people tuning out during certain things cuz they're like oh well that's not my sign or you know and it's like no you can you can find a connection to what's happening currently right um whether, you know, it's like if it's raining outside and one person has an umbrella and one person doesn't, it, it's still raining. So it's like, you know, just because one person may have a closer connection to what's happening or may, maybe be more prepared or have more awareness, the, the stuff's still happening. So it's up to you to decide how you want to respond to it. So um, don't discount what's happening in astrology ever. Like follow the patterns and you'll really become more attuned. Cool. So let's go into planets real quick and then... Sure. Real, real quick, tell sure. us all about our solar system. Yes. Um, and then I have a few questions that cool. some of the audience members have for you. Cool. Okay. So I'm going to go through all the planets. And one thing I want to say too, um, I mean, should I bring up retrograde now or after I talk about the planets? Um, I guess after. Yeah, let's do after. Okay. So, because I feel like that's important to mention real quick. Um, okay. So all the planets take on different personas. Um, and again, where, what, sign that planet was hanging out with gives us a interesting um, thing to look at. So Mercury is our planet of correspondence, the mind. Okay. So we want to think Mercury mind. It's about what we think, our thoughts, um, like I said, correspondence, communication, things of that nature. And then you can see what sign it's in and you can get more of a flavor. Emily, it makes a lot of sense for you. Mercury is in Gemini. And what were we saying about Gemini? Gemini, you know, that curiosity, always thinking, always wanting to know more, always wanting to do your due diligence. So that's actually a very beautiful pairing. Mercury and Gemini are actually naturally BFFs. Every sun, moon, and planet, like they kind of have a favorite. And uh, Mercury and Gem are our, our besties. Yay, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> So Mercury, yeah, planet of the mind. Venus, planet of the heart. Um, and so Venus is about relationships. Again, like what I said before, it can be intimate relationships. It can be um, any kind of collaboration, any type of creative endeavor. It's about birth, right? And in order for something to be birthed, a masculine and a feminine have to come together in some capacity. Two parts have to make a whole. So Venus kind of represents that energy. Venus is about beauty, um, you know, that, that, that kind of connotation. So we can see where it is in our chart to kind of see how we embody that. Emily, you have Gemini again. So uh, when it comes to the heart, again, it's still, you know, you're very curious when it comes uh, to love and um, also kind of in a space where, you know, you can get a little bit too far down the rabbit hole and then, and then be like, oh, wait, how did I get down here? How do I get out? Like, what happened? You know, kind of like that Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. Um, but also kind of being someone that wants to love on a lot of people and have lots of friendships and lots of social relationships because your heart is just kind of fixated to so many people and community. That's such a big thing. I would say. Uh, then we have Mars. Mars is, yeah. Uh, then we have Mars. Mars is our planet of action, ambition, drive, sexual energy, like that, that inertia, that momentum. That's Mars, right? So Mars gives us our like, you know, zhuzh, uh, <laughs> if you will. Um, and uh, you have that in Virgo. So, I was going to say, isn't that the boring? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's kind of boring. I mean, look, my Mercury and Venus are in Virgo, so it's like, meh. Um, but yeah, Mars, Mars and Virgo. I mean, for you, things have to make sense in order for it to move forward. If oh. it doesn't make sense, 
you're not going to do it. You're like, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm not just going to do it for the sake of doing it. I'm not going to do it because you're telling me to. I need to have it organized in my way and it needs to be in my order. And like, so there definitely has to be like a sense of order and organization and clarity for you to then, then you'll have the drive and the inertia and the blah, blah, blah. Right. I totally relate to that in the sense of like, if I don't feel there's purpose to do something, Mm -hmm. you won't really catch me doing it. Yes. And that's very much like that. So that's Mars. Jupiter. Jupiter's our planet of luck, prosperity, expansion, um, good fortune, uh, things like that. But again, it's our planet of expansion, but um, it'll expand whatever you're obsessing over. So like if you're obsessed with food, it's going to expand your, your need to binge. It's going to expand your, your waistband, right? Like, like, you know, sometimes I love Jupiter, but you've got to be careful with it because it will just expand whatever you put your intention on. So um, while it can be the the planet of prosperity and luck, you have to allow yourself to be in a really grounded, pure space. Now, I'm not saying like uh, you have to be positive all the time or watch your thoughts or if you think one negative thing, you're going to explode or it's all going to go to shit. But it's, I'm talking more from the space of obsession, right? Like if you're obsessed with things going wrong, if you're obsessed with uh, a toxic habit, if you're obsessed with not making money, right? Like then, then it will kind of turn. But if you have fleeting moments of like, oh, like, you know, will I ever get my break? Or like, oh, like I totally just like ate that whole pizza. Like whatever, it's fine. Jupiter's not gonna be like, oh yeah. But, but at the same time, if you're like, really clear around your purpose. And if you're really trusting in um, what what prosperity means, if you're really grounded in what you need in your level of standards and comfort in your lifetime or in your lifestyle, then then it will help you. So that, that's kind of what I have to say about Jupiter from the luck prosperity piece. I think sometimes people get excited, but it's not like a it, you know, it's 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 very much just reflective of how you show up in the world. Um, and then you have it in Sagittarius, which they're natural BFFs, Sagittarius and Jupiter, they go well together. Um, and it very much is similar to what I was saying before for you. It's like happy-go-lucky, wanderlust, um, wanting to travel, wanting things to work out, kind of things kind of stopping and going a lot, um, but always working out. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> or, well, I think, Other times. I think so. <laughs> in the end, it worked out. In the end. <laughs> Right? Just kind yeah. of messy. Yeah. Um, cool. I mean, it's Saturn. Saturn is our planet of leadership, rules, discipline, contracts. Um, it's how we show up as a teacher, as a manager, as a boss. Um, Saturn's kind of the one to do all of that. Um, what's interesting for you is you have it in Pisces, which is, you know, I say Pisces were born ready to retire. They, um, they kind of have more of a, a little bit of a laid back energy and they're not really into the system, so to speak, or society's timelines or, uh, you know, meeting certain measures of, um, of standards or, or, or anything of that way. So, um, you know, having that's really interesting because for you, it doesn't mean that you don't show up a leader, but when you show up as a leader, it's in your own way, to your own tune, to your own flow, um, and not in a kind of hierarchy. Like you're not going to be like a Tony Robbins kind of thing. No, you know? no desire for that. Either. No, no. 
Yeah. So that's that piece. Then we have Uranus and Uranus is a pain in the ass. (laughs) Uh Uh, So, (laughs) okay. So Uranus has to deal with our nervous system, anxiety, change, um, how we deal with things shifting. So, um, you know, you having that in Capricorn, again, Capricorn can sometimes get fixated on things. And so the anxiety can come from the lack of control or the lack of like things being taken out of your hands and not knowing what to do and where to go from there. And that's how that dynamic um, plays together. So Uranus is really about how you deal with change Um, and having that Capricorn lens um, may mean that it's a little bit hard for you. Yeah. And it's so interesting because as you're reading this, it's, and, and explaining all of this, it's, oh my God, you're like seeing astrology sees you so deeply, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's, it's vulnerable sometimes, I imagine, mm-hmm. for people to get their charts read. Oh, absolutely. Because we're really, yeah, we're, we're, we're really looking at what's happening behind the scenes. And that right. can be scary to address sometimes, you know, or, or look at the things that you don't really want to look at or uh, put a voice to. But, uh, you know, I think if you're doing it with the right astrologer, it can be a really beautiful experience. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm just saying that because everything you've mentioned so far is, is so spot on about me, right? So mm. anyway. Yes. Okay. So we got two more to go. Um, <laughs> Neptune. Neptune is our dreamy planet. It's very spiritual. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the planet of illusion. It's the planet where we can kind of just like, you know, go to those far off places and meditate and, uh, you know, kind of be in that, that energy, that more holistic, um, kind of ethereal place. And uh, so it's interesting for you though. So you have Neptune, our dreamy planet, but again, that's also in Capricorn. So I think there's a part of you that that's how you give love is through a very um, ethereal approach, a very um, kind of, you appreciate the spiritual methodologies, but then also there's a part of you that sometimes is like, is this right? Is this how it should be? And like you almost become your own worst enemy with it a little bit. So it's like finding that balance between just really using the Neptune energy to express fully from your heart and, and give that, that experience of something greater, so to speak, something um, that we can't quite see and not feeling like you have to make it super tangible for people to understand and kind of finding that play between the two is really important really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing I would say about like Neptune, Uranus, um, even Pluto, what we're going to talk about, they're farther away. So the planets that you want to focus the most on and give the most attention to are what are called the personal planets, which is Mercury, Venus, and Mars. They're the closest to earth. Therefore, they're going to have the biggest impact. They retro. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'll say that. And then, you know, Neptune's a little bit further away. Pluto's even further. So I'd say you have to worry least about those two. Um, Pluto for you was in Scorpio. Um, but Pluto is about, um, transformational change on a huge level. So it's about like making massive shifts. Pluto, it literally takes like 28 years for it to change signs. So a lot of people have Pluto in Scorpio. I think I'd I, I have Pluto and Scorpio a lot, you know, um, because it takes so long for it to move from the next sign. We all like feel uh, Pluto on a very generational um, basis. So it's really about cultivating really big change. And I think what's really interesting about the fact that um, a lot of people, of course, embody it in Scorpio is that we're doing it from a more mysterious, subconscious, uh, behind the scenes kind of way. And now it's starting to come forth. I mean, Pluto's in Capricorn now. So you know, when I say that, you, you realize like there's a lot of Scorpio 
Pluto, Pluto, Plunarians out there. And now that it's in Capricorn, um, we're getting some people that are having that. But a lot of the Scorpio Pluto people, I think, are stepping up and being like, no, there's got to be another way and let's embody more of the feminine. And I think that's what's happening through that. That's so interesting. So that could also explain why certain generations um, mm-hmm. change in a certain yeah. in a certain way and affect transformation in a certain way. Hmm. Exactly. They, it's very closely tied between the two because Pluto, you know, takes its its time. So it's really creating generations with its transits. So interesting. Cool, right? Yeah. So um. So well, yeah. So those. Uh, Actually, no, go ahead. Sorry, did you okay, I was gonna say those are the planets, and then um, you'll hear the planets go retrograde. The one that goes retrograde the most is Mercury. It retrogrades th- three to four times a year for 21 days. Um, essentially, what happens when a planet goes retrograde? It's reversing the energies of the planet. That's it. It's going on vacation because this world is crazy, and you know, and it's like you know, what? I need a break from you all. So goodbye. Um, think of a retrograde as a planet's retreat. Um, and it can be actually a really beautiful opportunity for you to go within. So Mercury, for example, because it deals with correspondence and communication, when it decides to retrograde, it's not as on top of things as it normally is. So it's, what it's saying is, is that you can lean back a little bit too. Of course, there's still work that you need to do, but what it's asking is not to put too much on your plate, not to jam up your schedule. The reason why your car is breaking down um, because, is because you said yes to something that you probably should have said no to. Your computer's crashing because you don't need to still be on your email at 11 p.m., right? So it's, it's kind of asking you, whatever the qualities are of the planet that's going retrograde, to lean back a little bit and just be a little bit more reflective, be a little bit more inward. It's a great time to reorganize you know, anything with an RE in front of it. Relax, reorganize, rejuvenate, renew, refresh. Just change things up because the planet is changing things up by retrograding. So it's giving you an opportunity to do so too. So it's not a thing to fear. Um, I don't like when people build up a collective frenzy around retrograde. It just means change. It just means something different. It just means the planet is just taking a little time off. And in the meantime, you can kind of fill in the gaps and, and go from there. Love it. Okay. So to kind of recap, if it's Mercury that's in retrograde, if we're talking about the personal planets, um, mm-hmm. Mercury, Venus, Mars, if Mercury is in retrograde, that's why we have the communication stuff that kind of yep. goes astray. And then when there's Venus, which Venus is in retrograde at the moment, it's kind of a take a look at your relationships mm-hmm. in a slower, deeper way um, and kind of revisit things, clear things out. And then I'm assuming when Mars is in uh, retrograde, it's more so along the lines of work and leadership and money and things like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, so it's nothing to fear. I no. That's a great message. It's kind of a time to clean up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't fear it. Don't fear the retrograde. Or just do as I do is I just am always so honest so that mm. I never get screwed in Mercury retrograde. Yeah. yeah. That's really <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Be really transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then what, what else? What do you need to clean up at that point? Yeah. You're like, here it is. It's all out there. I literally took out the trash and you can look through it if you want. <laughs> I love it. Okay. You've shared so much greatness so far. Um, is there anything that we've talked about so far that you feel like you want to add to before I get into questions? Uh, no, I feel, I feel good. (laughs) Beautiful. By the way, everybody, Danielle, um, do you want to share how you're a triple Leo, which is really interesting? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a triple Leo. Uh, so when I was born, you know, the sun was in Leo, the moon was in Leo, and uh, the rising sign was Leo, which is um, really rare. Um, you know, every now and then I'll do a chart read for someone and they'll have, um, you know, the, the triple 
threat like that. I, I actually did a reading for someone. She had five. So she had not only had sun, moon rising, she also had um, Venus and Mercury all in, I think it was Aquarius. Um, so it can happen, but it's really crazy. But I, I think what's interesting about being a triple Leo, I think that's why, or I, I believe I know that that's why I was so drawn to astrology because as soon as I read Leo, it clicked because there's so much Leo in my like top three things that you look for in your chart. So like Emily is a different example because she's Gemini, Capricorn, Scorpio. So for her, I know that she would resonate with the Gemini, but she would also need to read up on Capricorn and read up on Scorpio to really get a full understanding. Whereas I think I jumped right in because I was like, you know, Leo or die, ride or die, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that's such a cool perspective to have um, on on the whole situation because it it totally did lead you to resonate so deeply with it and probably move forward because you felt mm -hmm. so heard and understood with the Leo. Yes, exactly. There was no real room to be a skeptic because there wasn't really, you know, much of a difference. Right. I love that. So um, we do have a few questions. Um, we've got a couple, I guess people are between the age of 27 and 30 asking these questions. Um, love it. Because we are getting some questions on Saturn return. Yeah. Okay. Did, did I ever tell you that a guy I dated, we broke up because he was going through his Saturn return <laughs> and he needed some time? Did that's I how he vocalized it? That's literally what he oh said. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. I mean, I'd be okay with the breakup for that reason. <laughs> Got it. I know you, I'll tell you who it is after, but I, okay. Yes. Um. So yeah. What about Saturn return? Can we know? Because I think that's a yes. big question that we should. Uh, yes. So the Saturn return, essentially, um, Saturn. Um, what happens is, is it takes on average anywhere from 28 to 30 years to move around the entire zodiac wheel. So while it takes, you know, like I was saying, how it takes Pluto, like. 28 years just to move to the next sign within the span of 28 to 30 years, Saturn will have gone around the entire Zodiac wheel. So a Saturn return essentially is wherever Saturn was on your chart when you were born, the time that it makes it back full circle. And it could take, you know, anywhere from 27 even to 30 years, depending on retrogrades and certain transits. So for example, Emily, your, when you were born, Saturn was in Pisces. Mm -hmm. then the next time that Saturn was finally in Pisces again is when you have your Saturn return. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. So that's the Saturn return. It usually will happen in your lifespan two to three times, uh, depending on how long you live. Um, so the first Saturn return, what happens is, is Saturn is the planet of contracts. So what happens is, is before you come down here, I believe you sign a contract of some kind and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is my purpose. This is what I'm going to, this is where I'm going to shine. I'm going to meet these people. I'm going to do all these things. And then you come down here and you get to be human and you have to deal with your parents. You have to deal with environment. You have to deal with free will and all these things come into play. And so then around the time that you hit your late twenties, um, you'll have your Saturn return and Saturn will basically be like, Hey, remember that contract you signed? Um, let's do a little review, shall we? And then it'll, you know, energetically like review your contract and it will let you know like, Hey, some of this shit you're doing right now is not in agreement with what you said. So I'm going to turn your world upside, upside down so that you see. And then on the flip side, if you are actually doing, it's very rare that you're fully in compliance with 
what your contract is. But if you are for some reason, or if you start to realize that you're in your Saturn return and you're open to the signs, Saturn will actually amplify what you're doing if you are on the right track. So it's not like doom and gloom the entire time, but you may notice some shakeups. You may notice some hardships. You may notice some difficulties in your career. Um, you're, you know, for me, it was lifestyle. Um, I really was not taking care of myself and it, it showed me in a lot of ways. Um, and then once I started to turn things around, it actually got easier. Um, it, it was really easy to be on top of my health. It was really easy to take care of myself because I was using my Saturn return in a way that benefited what I said I was going to come here to do. Mm. And then it goes away and doesn't come back till what, you know, you're like late forties, fifties, and that's when you get a divorce and empty that's nest right. and all yeah, that good right. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's why you have your quarter life crisis, your midlife crisis. It, it, it very much relates to Saturn. And then, you know, by the time you have one, when you're in your like eighties or whatever, like you're just like, whatever, I'm retired. Who cares? Right. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Beautiful. I think that we should end here and have you on again. Um, because Ooh, part two, yeah, part two, I like because it. I'm sure people will have more questions based on everything that you taught us and shared today. I want to thank you so much for um, coming on, giving some of your time to teach us how to understand ourselves better. I know that people are going to be very interested in knowing more about you, knowing how perhaps they can get their own reading from you. So can you just before we say goodbye, tell us where to find you and how to go about all of that? Yes. So use my name, Daniel Mercurio, very appropriate for astrology. Um, you can find me pretty much any way under that name. Um, Instagram is where I hang out the most. My website is danielmercurio.com and there is a section on astrology where you can look into uh, booking a reading and I will be having some little mini courses coming out soon that you can look out for um, to help you understand this even more. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Danielle. And we appreciated you getting connected with us. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, I appreciated it too. All right. I love you. Love you. Bye.